this sermon is for you as well. Because it applies to aunts and uncles and grandparents and friends of both parents and kids. Maybe you're a, a step-parent. Maybe you're um, a substitute parent for a kid's life. And so these, these uh, roles we're going to talk about apply to you as much as those who have kids. Also, us as parents, we need encouragement. We need wisdom. We need being held accountable from other people. So, so maybe God will speak to you and you'll, you'll see something in, and you can go in and you can strengthen and encourage another parent this week. As the Bible says, and as I think anyone who has kids knows, kids are a blessing from the Lord. There, there is just something about that new life, that, that innocence, that's just, just amazing. I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, especially even thinking about, like, I'm about to have my second child, and just, it's just undescribable. There's this blessing and just how they, they teach you so much, they encourage you so much, how they show you love like you've never known. And but the, the flip side of that is with great blessing comes great responsibility. And, and as I was studying the word and as I was praying God and saying, God, what, what do you have for me to teach on? just became so apparent to me just how big this task is of parenting. And just there, there, there's so much we could talk about about parenting up here. And the good thing is Emily said, like, you know, we've got a short service today, so you have extra long to preach. So y'all ready? All right. Now, I, I really worked hard to try and get it down to, like, what, what are the big things here? And someday I hope that we, we can actually spend a whole series on parenting because I think it's just super crucial that we get parenting right. I, I think I am a firm believer that the devil has strategically gone after families to, to just ruin God's, just the pro proclamation of the gospel. As Josh Black talked about, right, the relationship between husband and wife is a proclamation of the gospel. If we get that right, we can proclaim the gospel right through that. And I think the same thing is for the family. And I think the devil has strategically gone out to undermine the role of fathers in the family. He's gone out and broken up so many families through divorce, through single parenting. And, and all this is just trickling down and it's blowing up and getting worse and worse because because so many of, of the kids that we have out in, the, you know, out in this neighborhood who are having kids right now, they never had a good family. They never had loving parents to teach them the things of God. And so they've just, just keeps compounding. They, they didn't know any better. They didn't have that love. They had these wounds, and so they've continued on. And so, like I said, I want to focus on just kind of two major roles that I think parents... Um, parents play in raising their kids. And I think everything else in parenting kind of falls under these two roles. So hopefully you can pay attention. It, this, I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of information we're going to talk about, but um, just stick with me. So I'm not going to have you stand up for reading because the main verse we're preaching on is one verse, and then I'm going to be all over the place in other verses. So you guys can have a summer vacation, be sitting today. And the congregation said... 
Hey, all right, all right. So, first verse we're going to turn to is Ephesians 6, 4. And, and in this verse, we discover these two roles. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the two major roles that parents have to play is instruction and discipline, teaching, discipline. And, and these are the roles they play, but the, the goal, right, is to train the children up to be fully functional adults. Right? And it's important, and all these things we're talking about, we have to keep the end goal in sight. Because if we get hung up on the particulars, right, we miss the forest for the trees or however that saying goes, I can never get it right, trees for the forest, right? We get, we get hung up, kind of like reading your Bible, right? The point of reading your Bible is so that you can draw closer to God. But too often, reading our Bible, that becomes the end in itself. Oh, got to have my five minutes of quiet time. Oh, I got to read three chapters today if I'm going to get through this Bible in a year, right? And so we miss out on drawing closer to God because we're too focused on the task itself. So the goal, right, is to raising kids. Raising kids to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Hopefully in a multi-ethnic context. But how we do that, the means of how we do that is through teaching and discipline. So teaching is both, or instructing is both, telling and modeling the correct things to do and think. And discipline is correcting them to do the right things, to think the right things. And hopefully through our discipline, hopefully through correcting them, they will come to an understanding of the things that we have taught them. They'll understand why it's important to not lie, why it's important to love others. So we're going to take a look into each role a little bit deeper here. And so the first role is instruction or teaching. And there are two, I mean, there is a ton of verses that really talk about teaching. But I want to focus in on two. Uh, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8, and Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. So Psalm 78 says, Give ear, O my people, to my teachings. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like the fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Deuteronomy 6, 1-9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you were going to, over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons, by keeping all the statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long, 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have multiple, or that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord the God of our fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your, to be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, before going further, I want to talk about, right, these verses, the first verse we wrote, and um, the Psalms talk about fathers, right, teaching this stuff. But we have to remember that most of the Bible is written to a patriarchal society, right, where the fathers were in charge, they were kind of the big kahunas. So these authors are addressing both husband and wife through the father to do these roles, all right? So these roles are for both. This is not just for fathers. This is for both parents. And I think, well, I know that both parents have to be united in this. If you got one parent over here who is super strict and disciplined, another one over here that's a little more lax, right? The danger is the kid's going to love this parent and hate this parent, right? But they're also going to get confused. What's right? What's wrong? Mom says, I can't fight. Dad says, I can fight. What's right? What's wrong? Or they learn to behave in a certain manner, right? I can't swear in front of mom, but I can swear in front of dad. And so they learn how to play this game where they can cover up their deceitful action. And so as parents, we must be united in this process of disciplining and teaching our kids. We, we have to talk about this. We have to agree on this. This, this, is, how, this is the method of our discipline. This is what we're going to care about. These are things we're going to make big deals about. This stuff over here, we don't have to make such a big deal about. But parents must be united in this. Now, the other reason I chose these verses is because it really carries with it, I think, the weight of just how important it is to teach kids the things of God, right? In the Deuteronomy passage, right, teach them diligently to your kids, right? And teach them all the time. Not just like, you know, when you think about it. Not just when they screw up, but all the time. It, it, it just, and if you look through other, you know, as we'll talk about discipline even later, you know, just this importance of parents taking this role of doing this thing, of teaching their kids the things of God. And I like how, uh, you know, he talks about bind it on your hand, put it as frontlets before your eyes. So this kind of is like, you know, like cartoons where they put the carrot in front of the donkey and the donkey starts walking, you know. That's kind of what this frontlets is talking about. Like, take God's word, you know, and like post it before your eyes so you always see it. So parents, this is a freebie, right? Take your kids' phones, just start carving God's word into the phone screens. They'll love it. Every time they look at their phone, they see, boom, Jesus loves me, right? 
or you techies, this is what I think the techies should do, right? You should invent an app, and adults could use this too, so every five minutes that you're on your phone, a verse pops up on the screen, and the only way to make it go away is you read it out loud, and then it disappears, and you can keep scrolling through Facebook. Huh? Would that not be a great idea to memorize scripture? We'd have Pharisees everywhere. <laughs> so, so hopefully you see that God's serious about us teaching our kids these things. Um, and I think how we teach them comes in two different ways. There, there's a formal teaching, right? This is where we sit down with our kids. We do a Bible study with them, or work through a catechism with them, do their Awana books, sit down and ask them on the car ride home, hey, what'd you learn in Bridge Kids today, right? Or, hey, come with me, we're going to go change the oil in the car, right? There's these formal, formal teaching ways. And, and there's not like this magic bullet way to teach, right? Because all kids are different. But, but the important thing is that we are formally teaching them things, that we are teaching them the things of God. And we're going to talk about what those things of God are coming down. And if you need ideas of like, you're like, I just, I, I know what I want to teach my kids. I don't know how to teach it. Come talk to me after the service. Or better yet, go find some of the, the parents of older kids in this congregation and ask them how they did it. This church is really blessed with some great parents who know a heck of a lot more about parenting than me, who've raised kids, whose kids are following the Lord, go talk to the Farthings, talk to the Turners, talk to the Greemans, talk to the Pearsons, right? I go on and on and on, but we have been blessed, so talk with them. Go with them and say, hey, can you disciple me on how to disciple my kids? I'm sure they do it. You're going to have to get some of them past their humbleness because they go, well, I really, I don't know what I did. And it's like, no, you did a good job of parenting your kids. How did you do it? So if your older parents, if someone comes to you, all right, Crystal, if anyone comes to you and asks, like, don't, don't be humble. Just be like, this is what I did. Take it or leave it. But this is how I taught my kids to love other people well. And the second way of teaching them is informal teaching. This is the modeling method, right? Because it's good for us to tell them the things. They're, they're not going to know not to lie unless we tell them not to lie. But what reinforces that teaching and where kids will do a lot more learning is through the informal, through watching you. When they see that you don't lie, that cements the truth that you taught them not to lie. Because maybe they were in the car with you, right? And you got that speeding ticket, and you come in the house, and your wife's like, what took you so long? You just ran to the store, right? And you're like, oh, ran into someone I knew at the store, right? But Johnny's sitting right there. He knows that. And you tell the truth, you know what, honey? I got a speeding ticket. She slaps you upside the head, and life goes down. But you've cemented into that kid that lying is wrong, that it's always best to tell the truth, even if it may not seem like it's the best thing for you. And so there's nothing, kids are excellent at smelling cow pies, all right? Kids in the service, so that's why we changed to cow pies. Um, 
They're excellent at this. So if you, if you sit there and you tell this kid, you know, um, you teach a whole lesson on not losing your anger, being patient with your kids, or being patient with your brother because he's annoying, right? And then five seconds later, you go and yell at your wife for some little thing because she threw away your catalog or your Sports Illustrated, right? You, you're just unteaching your kid everything you just taught them in the formal setting. So our, our, our modeling for kids must also come along and teach them. But enough on the method. Let's move on to what should we teach. I think there's four areas that become clear. Three in these passages and then uh, one more in a myriad of other passages. So the four major areas I think that parents are charged to teach their kids are theology, acts of God, God's commands, and just general knowledge, which I'll call common sense, all right? So we look in Deuteronomy 4, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. We learn a little bit about who God is there, right? I mean, he is the one God. He is the big God. He is the almighty God. And he's one God. He's not a multiple of gods, which was the common belief at the time, but he is one God. That's theology. That's basic, simple theology. So parents, teach your kids theology. Theology is not this big, complicated, scary thing that only pastors, theologians, and Bible school professors can talk about. Theology is simply the study of who God is. God is creator. That's theology. God is the redeemer. That's theology. These are things that, as Christians, we should know, and therefore we should teach them to our kids. And it's important to keep in mind the goal, right? The goal in teaching our kids theology is not so that they have all this head knowledge, but so that they can have an intimate, personal relationship with God, their, save, their creator and their savior. Keep that in mind as you teach theology. You know, it's like your, your grandpa, right? You want your kids to know your grandpa. So you tell them all the story you tell them about who he is right oh he's a funny guy he's always telling jokes right and so they get to start knowing who this guy is and then they get to meet him right and it all makes more sense because they know they've heard about who grandpa is and this should be the same for us we should be telling them who god is so that when christ calls them to salvation and they get to meet god for themselves right they know who he is and, th and they can grow just like a relationship, right? When you, when you first met that cute girl that you ended up marrying before you had all these crazy kids, right? You, 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 just, you took time, you got to know them, you got to know them more and more and more, and as you did that, you love, and you were bonded together. And that's what we need to do for our kids. We need to teach them with the purpose of having them draw closer to who God is, to know him more intimately, not just head knowledge. So <clears throat> the second thing we should teach them after, um, after theology is the acts of God, okay? Psalm 78, verse 5 and 7 says, He established a testimony in Jacob, the law he appointed Israel 
which he commanded to our fathers to teach their children the next verse. That's not the right verse. Well, anyways, the acts of God, right? <laughs> they were commanded to tell. I know what's in here. Uh, ah, verse 4, there it is. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. We saw this all the way back in the Exodus, right, when they, when they crossed the Red Sea. They were commanded, put up a pile of rocks. Why put up the pile of rocks? When your kids ask, what's that pile of rocks? You can tell them about the wonderful things that God has done. Our kids need to know who God is, but they also need to know what he has done. Because they'll also reveal who he is, but so that they can trust him, so that they can see that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They'll learn that God is a faithful God. They'll learn that God is a providing God through these stories. Now, first and foremost, yes, tell the stories of the Bible. Absolutely, lutely Tell them about God delivering them. Tell so when I say that these are God's, right, these are the crazy stories where God shows up and does amazing things. These are the but God stories, as Brandon talks about, right? Israelites come to the Red Sea, they can't cross. But God made a way, right? person was sick, but Jesus Christ raised them, made them better. This person was dead. Jesus Christ raised them, made them new, Right? Tell them the stories. Tell them all the things that God can do for them and all the things God will do for them. But don't just stop at the Bible stories. All right? Now, I'm no way in implying that your stories are on par with the Bible stories, right? Because obviously the Bible is the Holy Scriptures. We can't add to it. But it's important for you to share stories with your kids about what God has done in your life. Tell them the story of how you came to faith. Tell them the story of how you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills or eat dinner, but then God showed up. Tell them about the time at VBS where no kids were coming, but then Jerry gathers the church around to pray, and kids start coming. Kids need to hear those stories. They need to know that God is not just the God of the Bible. He's the God of this world. That he is present today and he is still working miracles. He is still healing people. He's still bringing people back, for, back to life from their sins and death. Tell them the things of God. The third thing that we should teach them is the commandments. I already touched on this a little bit. But we need to teach them what God commanded, right? Why? Well, all God's commandments, all they are really, is kind of like the instruction manual for how life is supposed to work, right? Think of it, as, guys, think of like that new tool you got, right? Women, think of it maybe as the new curling iron you got, right? Now, if you use that how it's intended to be used, it works well, right? But if you don't know how to use it, you know, because it's from Ikea and all the directions are in Swedish and Ikea just makes complicated things, right? you got to figure out how this thing's supposed to work. You don't want to be grabbing the hot end of a curling iron, right? You don't want to be pounding a nail with the hammer handle. It just doesn't work that right, right? And so God 
In his love, he gave us all these rules saying, this is how I created you. This is how I designed you and this world to work. I don't know about you, but my life goes a lot easier when I do life the way God wants me to do life. You know, I don't have to worry about getting locked up in jail because I'm following God's commands to work hard and not steal. Pretty, pretty simple there, right? I had another example, but it's gone. Um, so teach kids God's commands. I can guarantee you this. The sinful nature will take over your kids. If you do not tell them that lying is wrong, they're going to lie. That, that's why we need to instruct them on the way it's supposed to be, because the sin nature has just distorted the whole world that we live in. And so it's much easier for us to sin than it is to do what's right. But we can't discipline our kids. We can't punish our kids if we never told them it was wrong. Does God punish you? Does God punish you for not knowing? No, he's given you everything you need to know in the Bible. We know that if we tell lies... Right? There's consequences to those lives. God will punish us, and we're going to talk about that later, for our good. So theology, who God is, or what God has done, and God's commandment. And the fourth thing is a little different. Some people may see it as not spiritual, but I see this stuff as being spiritual. I think that the gospel should fully infiltrate every aspect of our life. If we're going to do anything, we should do it to the glory of God. If we're going to do anything, we should bring, what is my relationship with God? Tell me about how to do this thing, right? Business actions. I shouldn't do business actions as the world does business actions. I should do them with honesty and integrity, the way the Lord wants me to do them. So I call this section the common sense, common sense section. All right? And where I came up with this was, from Proverbs. If you read through Proverbs, the line, fa- or the, you know, it comes across as a father instructed son, right? My son, never forget the things I have taught you. My son, listen to what I am telling you. My son, do what, right? And so we see here that parents should be teaching these common sense things to their kids. And I would include, yes, common sense wisdom like the Proverbs, like work hard. Be honest, right? There's plenty of spiritual truths in the Proverbs, but there's these practical things. Don't move a, don't move a fence. It's in Proverbs. Go read it. If you don't think it's true, go move your neighbor's fence. See what happens. You will find that common sense. Don't move a fence. And other things too, like teaching kids how to take care of a car, basic car maintenance. Balance a checkbook. hate to tell you, parents, but this is all your responsibility. Not the churches, not the schools. It's your responsibility. Now, that being said, it's all right for you parents to call in a substitute teacher. Maybe you don't know anything about taking care of cars, right? But you can go, Tyler, I want my son to know basic maintenance on a car. Can you teach him how to do brakes, Check his oil, change his oil. I'm sure Tyler will be glad. 
right? Because Tyler is certified. He is trained in that area. He is a ASC, right? Master mechanic. But you see, the responsibility to make sure that your kids learn those things, it's still on you. Someone else can do the teaching, but you as, a respo- you as the parent are responsible for making sure your kids get taught and trained and instructed in those things. And one of the cool things about doing this, one of the benefits of instructing our, our kids is that we ourselves should grow from this. Time and time and time again, right? As I'm preparing for bridge kids, I am learning more about God. Because when you have to take difficult theology and explain it to a five-year-old, you really have to understand your theology. So you can put it in words so that they can understand it. Like, imagine trying to explain propitiation to Brianna or Lincoln, right? So that they understand it. First, it's got to be clear in your head, right? You've got to understand that propitiation is the satisfying of God's wrath. But how do you explain that to a five-year-old? Well, let's see. Hmm, satisfying. You know what? Kids like animals. You know, what a, you know what a lion, right? Lions get really, really hungry, right? they got to eat stuff. How do you make it so the lion doesn't eat? eat you? How do you satisfy the hungers, the hungry lion, right? You feed it. So you see propitiation is kind of like that, right? God's like that hungry lion. And he's got a right to be mad at all the sin that we do. And so Jesus Christ went and he fed that hungry lion. He satisfied God's wrath. He took your place. And instead of God eating you, God ate Jesus. See how you have to understand the concept? And and it amazes me all the time just how often as I'm preparing, as I'm doing this, I have to get down on my knees and I have to throw my hands up and I just have to worship God. Because for whatever reason, I understand it just a little bit better, the grace that God has given me. I understand a little bit better how wretched my sin is. All because I was teaching kids. So this is just a wonderful, wonderful benefit of doing this. The other benefit is it helps hold you accountable. Right? You know, you sit down in the morning, you have your little Bible study with your kids, and and you talk about, all right, now remember today, don't lose your anger when your sister is bothering you, Right? All right, have a nice day. And you get in our car and we start driving down the highway and all of a sudden that guy cuts us off, right? And we're like, Ugh! But then it comes back to our head. You know what? This is pretty similar to what I just told my kids not to do today, right? I told them to be patient when their brother's passing them. Well, someone's bothering me. I got to be patient. I got to extend love. And so as we teach our kids all these things of God's, keeping it right in front of our face so that we can remember it as well. But enough about teaching. Let's move on to the fun topic, right? Discipline. Oh, no, before we do that, I want to make one last point. And I talked about it briefly already, but the goal of teaching, right? The goal of teaching 
is intimacy with God. And I'll give you a, a freebie here, right? You cannot teach your kids to have an intimate relationship with God unless you have an intimate relationship with God. You, first and foremost, must know God to be able to teach us. Right? If you don't know long division, you can't teach long division to your kids, right? So you have to know long division. You have to know God so that you can teach it to, to your children. And it's all right if you're just a step or two ahead of them. That's fine. Because you want to know what? Kids can learn a ton from watching God change you from the person you were to the person that you were called and created to be. A ton. So let kids see that process. Model for them reading the scriptures. Model for them how to pray. Model for them what you want them to look like when they grow up. All right, now on to the more fun topic, discipline. Now, I'm sure the question on everyone's mind, right, is uh, does the Bible, right, the Bible teach spanking? Well, guess what? I'm not going to answer that question today. Why am I not going to answer that question? Well, that's, for one, it's not my place to tell you the method of disciplining your kids, nor is it the intent of this sermon or do I think the intent of these verses to prescribe a certain way of disciplining? My hope is that you will understand the importance of discipline. And the, the reason that we do discipline, the goal of discipline. So, we're going to turn to verse 13 or Proverbs 13.24, and then we're going to continue on to Hebrews 12.10-11 to, to see what, well, first to feel the call to discipline, but also then to see the role of discipline. Before we do that, let's define the word of discipline. Discipline can be defined by two words, correction and punishment. This not only helps us understand the meaning of this word, but also its purpose. Discipline is punishment that is given to bring about correction in one's life. And as we'll see in just a bit, um, it's for our own good. It's not out of anger. It's not because it's fun, but it's for our good. It's for training us in godliness. And discipline is really just the flip side of correction of teaching, right? We talk about teaching as telling them the right thing to do. Discipline is correcting them to do the right thing. So let's flip to Proverbs 13, 24. Um, this is probably the most common verse cited on discipline. And in layman's term, this is the spare the rod, spoil the child verse. But if we actually read the verse, it carries with it much more weight, I think, and a lot of different nuances, and we kind of lost some of the meaning by knowing this, the layman's term. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. 
See, it's not prescribing the rod as discipline, right? Remember, the Bible is written to a specific people at a specific time. So the method of discipline at the time was a rod. Doesn't have to be. The Bible is descriptive here, not prescriptive, right? Because this verse is talking about the purpose, right? Discipline is for love. Be diligent to discipline them. Do this, diligent, meaning do it early, do it often, right? Don't let the kid get so far down the road that he's 10 years old and you ask him to do something and he says no because back when he was one year old, you let him say no to you, right? This, this is what it's talking about, being diligent, being, being on top of it, doing it from the start, being consistent with it so that the kids learn what is right and what is wrong. If we are not diligent with discipline, if, if we kind of let it go slack, if we get a little bit lazy with it, right, then it becomes inconsistent. If we only discipline the kid when we finally had enough, the kid's not going to see this as teaching for righteousness. He's going to see it, oh, I finally ticked dad off or mom off, and she went ballistic on me. And it loses its whole purpose. It loses any effectiveness because kids... Th- Kids don't learn that swearing is wrong or stealing is wrong. They learn if I'm just doing enough stuff, eventually mom and dad's going to get mad at me and yell at me or ground me or spank me or whatever method you choose. So it's not the method but the purpose, right? And this purpose is further uh, laid out in Hebrews 12, 10 through 11. For they, earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as, they seem, as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. purpose of discipline is godliness. It's to train us in godliness. And it's for our good. It comes from love, not anger. And that's what we have to remember when we're, when we're punishing our kids. That I'm not punishing you because I'm angry at you. I'm punishing you to save you from the fires of hell. I'm punishing you so that you learn right from wrong. Because if you don't learn right from wrong, you're going to end up dead or in prison, unemployed, all kinds of horrible stuff. And so out of our love, out of knowing, right, we as parents have to know that this behavior is destructive. And so therefore we discipline our kids so that they learn. And they got, and this is where we're having that relationship, we're having that love with them. And then understanding that this discipline is coming out of love helps them to understand that you have their best interest in mind. If you only discipline them when you are angry and frustrated and don't know what else to do, they're not going to see that. They're going to see your anger. And the whole lesson is lost on them. They need to see love. That's why when you discipline your kids, if you have to take a step away and calm down and come back, and explain to your kids why you're disciplining them and what it's for, 
Do it. And that's why I say, do it early. Do it before it's so annoying that you blow up at them. Stop it when they first start telling little lies. Don't wait till they've lied on the stand and are going away to jail for perjury, right? Should have been nipped in the butt a long time ago with the little white lies. covered everything there to talk about discipline. But I'll add this. And this is why I said I don't want to prescribe methods. Because if we keep the goal of producing godliness in mind, right, our methods may have to change. They may have to change by situation. They may have to change by kid. You can spank my daughter. She'll look at you and smile. If you put her in time out, the world has ended. She hates it. So I can sit here and I can spank my daughter all day and she learns nothing. But if I put her in time out, then she starts to learn, I can't do that. That's wrong. That's bad. And, and, and here's where we have to be, just as uh, I know Pastor Josh talked about being students of our wives, right? We have to be students of our kids. We have to learn their personalities so that we learn how to communicate with them. Um, some of you at West Free are familiar with Vinny there, right? That guy's amazing. He can walk up to you, have a five-minute conversation, and he can tell you, like, anything you want to know about your life, right? And he, and he does this personality testing. That's what he does for a living, right? And there's several different types of personality. There's rebel, persister, harmonizer, right? And they all have their own languages, Rebel is not a bad thing. Jeff is a rebel. Obviously, he's not out burning cars and terrorizing the streets, right? But Jeff likes to have fun. Lincoln is a rebel, right? He just wants to have fun. So if I'm talking to Jeff or Lincoln, and I'm getting very persisterish and just angry with them, they're not going to hear me. But if I put it in a fun tone, like, hey, Lincoln, let's go take out the trash. Right? He's going to hear me and he's going to do it. But I go, Lincoln, you have to take out the trash. He's not going to hear me. My wife's a harmonizer. Okay? If I even, like, raise an eyebrow in anger, my wife is done. She shuts down, doesn't hear a word I say. So I have to talk very calmly to her, explain myself to her, right? Which is, can be really hard to do when I'm just tired and angry. <clears throat> but if I don't, she won't hear me. I won't be able to train her in godliness because I've not communicated the message well. So that's why I, whatever method you use for, dis for discipline, make sure it's one that has the goal of godliness in mind. Make sure it's administered in love and that our kids know that. I'm going to close with just two warnings if we do discipline wrong. The first thing is that we can misrepresent God. There are several, several verses throughout the Bible that we read one of them, right? God disciplines us like a father. God does this like our earthly fathers. And, and working in the inner city and working with lots of kids who don't know their fathers, we have a lot of anger 
towards their fathers. They read these verses. Wait, God is like my earthly father? Well, all right, that makes sense because my earthly father's just a deadbeat that never, doesn't do anything for me and never sees me. I guess God's a deadbeat who doesn't love me, never comes to see me. Do you rule your kids like a tyrant in your discipline? They're going to see God as a tyrant. If you are harping on your kids about every little tiny minutia thing that really doesn't matter, because, you know, they eat their corn like this, not like this, right? If you're harping on your kids like that, they're going to think God is like that, that he just is going to harp on them, that he's sitting out there with a lightning bolt. Come on, screw up, screw up. And I grew up with a father like that, so I can speak from experience that that's how it was. I've had to do a lot of learning of who my heavenly father is because my father, my earthly father, misrepresented him. And so that's why in our teaching, in our discipline, we have to do it out of love. And, and the flip side is we should also then be looking to our heavenly father. How does our heavenly father discipline us? And apply that to how we can discipline our kids. With love, with grace, with mercy. For our good. To teach us. Right? And the second, going back to Ephesians 6, 4, um, and Colossians 3, 21, really, really uh, are mere passages. The context of these passages is the same. Um, the wording is just ever so slightly different. But it talks about fathers, do not provoke your children. And Colossians says, fathers, do not provoke your children for it can discourage them. So that's the other pitfall that we have to avoid in our discipline is not provoking our kids. Because if we're pestering our, our kids, if we're constantly belittling them and disciplining them in an ungodly manner and they get angry at us, they're justified in their anger. They have a right to be angry at us if we are administering punishment out of anger and not out of love. And the consequences of us constantly provoking them is they're just like, you might become discouraged and be like, I give up can't even try anymore. I'm not even going to try and be good because you know what? Whatever I do, I can't please my dad. So I'm just, I'm done. I become discouraged. Or we provoke them to anger and they rebel against us and just want nothing to do with us. They want nothing to do with our God because we didn't represent God in a good picture to them. I know this, this, this is definitely a daunting task, parents. But trust me, the church is praying for you. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. Pray for one another as we raise children. Because this world desperately needs fully devoted followers of Christ. This world is literally dying and falling apart because it needs fully devoted followers of Christ. Parents, you are charged, you are entrusted with this noble task of raising up disciples, raising up fully devoted followers of Christ. Take it seriously. 
Get on your knees. Talk to God. Because he can do far more than we ever can imagine. Pray for your children. If you don't have children, start praying for your children. The reason my daughter is such a delight is I started praying for her a long time ago. (laughs) But in seriousness, pray. Pray for your children. Pray that God would raise them up. If we want to see this world change, it's going to be through generations and generations and generations of people following God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the blessing of children. But Father, we ask for the strength to raise them. We ask for the wisdom to discipline them well. We ask that we would have a learner spirit so that we would just be hungry to learn about you, Lord, and that through that we would have an intimate relationship with you. Father, keep us parents from being discouraged. Strengthen us, Lord, so that we may disciple well. Strengthen the grandparents to come alongside the parents and help. Strengthen the aunts and the uncles and the friends to teach our kids well, Lord, to discipline our kids well. We ask all this in your wonderful name. You guys are dismissed. Go